Welcome to Ethical Data Explained. Join us as we discuss data-related obstacles and opportunities with entrepreneurs, cybersecurity specialists, lawmakers, and even hackers to get a better understanding of how to handle data ethically and legally. Here to keep you informed in this data-saturated world is your host, Henry NG. Good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Ethical Data Explained. I'm your host, Henry NG, and today we have a very special guest, the co-founder and CTO at Reanalytics, uh, working 10 years in creating web scrapers and helping maintain web scraping knowledge uh, in terms of the web scraping club. Uh, our special guest today is Pierre Luigi. Yeah, Luigi, how are you today? Hi, Henry. Thank you very much for inviting me here. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here today. Perfect. And as we said before uh, we started this introduction, I have very bad pronunciation of Pierre Luigi's surname. So, uh, Pierre Luigi, if you want to tell the viewers and the listeners how to uh, pronounce your surname, that would be great. <laughs> so, my full name is Pierre Luigi Vinci Guerra, but you can call me Pierre. Well, Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your career, because it would be great to kind of give some context on you know, why we've uh, asked you to be our guest today. Yeah, sure. So I started working, I think, 15 years, no, more than 15, because it was 2009. So yeah, more or less 15 years in Accenture. I were in a big consultancy firm as a data guy. So we were basically making business intelligence projects for uh, banks uh, or uh, insurances. Then uh, with my colleague at the time, uh, Andrea, uh, I met him my first day of work and now is my actual co-founder of uh, that Real Analytics. So it's basically we are getting married soon, I suppose. <laughs> if, we, if we were not already married, uh, with our wives but... <laughs> spending too much but... time in the office <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah we we spent too much time together and uh basically we have seen together this this flow of web data coming it was in we thought we, it could be interesting for companies to have access to this kind of data because uh, we were making business intelligence, so basically internal data, business intelligence, but integrating this kind of data with external data from coming from the web, coming from the web, it will it will be much more interesting. So we started uh, working on some prototypes. Uh, yes, ten years ago, seven years ago, we started Real Analytics. Perfect. And, uh, yes. So, so reanalytics and and it, it, does that feed into databoutique.com? How how do those uh, kind of integrate in terms yeah. of the the two sides of the business? Yeah. So basically, reanalytics is the actual business. So uh, after some turnarounds, uh, we uh, today we are scraping a lot of e-commerce website, mainly in fashion for both investors in the fashion industry and fashion brands themselves. So we basically work with most of the Italian brands, uh, European brands in, uh, in luxury. Um, but it's like a, and it's worked, it works perfectly, of course, but it's more like a consultancy job. 
because you know every customer wants uh, his own project, uh, his own web data project. So you really cannot sell the same thing two times. In so basically, six months ago we started to think about databoutique.com. Databoutique actually is a, a marketplace of web scraped data. Data. So where sellers like we are and can sell, of course, their data on databoutique.com of the platform. So Databoutique makes the quality control and ensures that everything is fine for the buyer and then makes some marketing effort to mm -hmm. bring buyers uh, to the website. I see, I see. And in, in terms of kind of figuring out what those data sets look like and what's going to be in demand, like what, how, how do you gauge that? And, and kind of from what you've seen, what data sets are the most popular among your clients at the moment? Well, actually we are in, as I said, uh, we are at the initial point of uh, Data Boutique. So, uh, but we started with one industry because we have already the data and we wanted to try the, the full circle of buying and selling data with uh, by yourself. So we wanted to sell our data and see if someone will go buy it. So basically we are selling e-commerce data on fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, we choose three or four uh, um, kind of data set, maybe some, Someone, uh, some customers only need price. Some customer need price plus product description. So there are three or four, several uh, different data structures for the for the buyer to choose, and then the buyer can choose if uh, he wants the data one off, monthly, weekly, daily, or each every frequency he wants. This podcast is brought to you by Soaks, a leading proxy provider, enabling your business to unlock the world of publicly available data. Get data at scale. Soaks data. Okay. And obviously when you're gathering this data, and, and we know from a lot of the customers we work with, all websites are different. So do you essentially have to create a new scraper for every single site to extract data or do you kind of vary your tech stack and what does that look like? No, no, we, unluckily we need to create uh, for each website is proper scraper because not only every website is different, but also some logic is different from website to website. Maybe you encounter some, some, some website uh, with five type of product ID which one is this one interesting for our customer? So, uh, unluckily, yes, we have at the moment of, in Realytics, I guess, uh, 300 of scrapers, more or less, running uh, daily or weekly. So, one, one uh, more than one for each website. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's uh, that's the that's uh, the problem because uh, you know in in data boutique since uh, the seller 
can be different. So you have potentially infinite scrapers that sell data to databoutique.com. I see, I see. And obviously from that gathering and scraping side, as a proxy company, I'm assuming that you use proxies uh, as part of your process. So how do you kind of determine your proxy providers and, and kind of what do you look out for in terms of like green flags and red flags of, of these proxy providers that you use? Well, first thing is the sourcing of the IP of the, of the proxy provider, because we work also with hedge funds and uh, they are, I think, the most regulated uh, industry at the moment. So you cannot uh, provide uh, information gathered in some way that is a bit shady. So maybe, so we want to be sure that the IP where we were using for scraping was perfectly clear. Apart, apart from the, the quality, is there anything else that you would say helps you determine which proxy provider to go for, or do you only really use one proxy provider? No, no, well, uh, given that legal party apart, of course, uh, for running uh, operation at scale, one key factor is uh, the, the pricing, of course, and uh, depending, from, depending from case to case also, the, I, the number of IP in the pool of the provider, because we encountered some websites, some large websites that blocked several IP in very, so you need a large pool of IPs to gather all the website content. So yes, mainly pricing and depending from the project IP pool size. See, see, and based on those web scraping projects, so barring the, the quality of uh, proxy IPs, like what essentially determines the success of a, a good web scraping project? Well, how many hours we have to, to answer this question? <laughs> well, uh, if we were talking about uh, a small project, uh, maybe the most important thing is the quality of the output. Because uh, of course, if you're selling this project, both internally in your company or to another company, you need to create trust between you as a provider and the user and the end user. And uh, you can create this trust if your data is correct. So you need to put all the effort you can to provide quality data. And to do so, you need to set up a process of data quality um, with uh, the most common techniques like human count, uh, regression, uh, trends, uh, forecasting, or whatever, uh, whatever you can use. But uh, that's something we do also on large scale. But on large scale project, the, the quality, of course, is important, but to reach the quality, you need to also think about uh, the processes of your scraping architecture for the setup. Because if you're if you're building something that you're going to scale, you need to standardize your processes, the logs. Uh, the architecture is uh, quite important to be 
think for you, you need to you think of the architecture for a large scale. So that's the that will I will say it is, is the key factor on large scale projects. Okay. Obviously, you've been working in the scraping industry for over over ten years, like, like you mentioned. Um, would you say that it's become like more or less labor intensive? And and what changes have you seen in the market um, for web scraping? So uh, yes, it's becoming harder and more expensive. Also, uh, ten years ago, there were no proxies. Uh, there's no need to pro to have any proxy for, unless you need to go on geolocation, uh, on different geo geofence. Geo you need to bypass the geofence of, of a website. But uh, basically, you, you you can you didn't need also to. Um, change the header request from of Scrapey. Uh, so yes, basically 10 years ago was much more easy. Now you need much more, much many tools, proxies, headful browsers. So it, the data sourcing is becoming more expensive. And the challenge is, yeah, I think uh, Anti some kind of antibots are becoming uh, very aggressive. Sometimes you can even you can't even access to a website if you're using a VPN, and you're a human. So that's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, that's what that's where we are, and that's where we've like kind of come from. In your opinion, looking into the future, what are the new trends and changes in data extraction that you're seeing? Um, on a on a daily basis, obviously you're in contact with it very regularly. Um, so yeah, how do you see it changing in future? Well, I've seen providers like uh, many in the industry. Yeah, I've seen many proxy provider or many companies in the in the industry that are sell, trying to sell this API uh, for automatic extraction from, from websites. This is a, a trend uh, I've seen uh, started, I think it, start, it started four or five years ago, but now I've seen many companies that are trying to launch this, uh, this API extractors. And um, yes, I think it's a, it's a good trend for, uh, for the data sourcing industry because it resolves uh, quite a, f a number of uh, issues, but it has a cost, of course. You obviously work a lot with the collaboration between proxies and, and web scraping solution uh, providers. Do you see any kind of developments in those tendencies and those offerings? And uh, do you or do you think both proxies and, and web scraping are kind of moving in the right direction together? No, well, as I, as I was saying, yeah. Apart the API and the extractors API, the these proxy providers are are trying to sell. Actually, uh, I've seen that I, there is more um, there is more attention to the sourcing of uh, the IP also in many many providers. The narrative of uh, of the proxy provider of the proxy industries moved to to the ethical sourcing. Of the of the IP for me it's, it's good for this industry because you know web scraping is always seen as a shady 
shitty industry, but it's totally legit if you do it, of course, uh, in a proper way. Yes, I like this, uh, this the way the, the industry is moving in this, this direction. Good, good. And obviously it's becoming data scraping and proxies are becoming more accessible to everyone. Um, so in your mindset, do you see, you know, all these data hungry companies that are coming to a data boutique and obviously using their, and maybe using their own scrapers, do you see, how do you see the direction of you know, the, the data extraction for these companies in the next decade? Do you see them bring it in house? Do you see them using platforms like data boutique? Like what, what's the mindset that uh, you think they'll take? Well, actually I've seen a growing interest in, uh, in data, in web data from companies, but as we were saying before, web scraping is, is getting more, more and more expensive. So there's a mismatch from the demand that, that at the moment, only big company can afford a great web scraping project. But if you, a small company tries, tries to make the web scraping project in-house, uh, with mixed results because, of course, they don't have the skill to do it. That's why we, we started Data Boutique, honestly, because we want to sell prescriptive data at low price for everyone. I see. So it could technically go both ways, depending on you know how advanced people want to get in, in terms of their personal skills and in, in developing uh, their in-house solution. Um, but it does sound that there is slight gap between you know where they are and where they need to be moving forward yeah you're right perfect and one of the last topics we really wanted to discuss today was uh web scraping club obviously in the fall you launched web scraping club it's a newsletter about kind of all things scraping what made you kind of finally share your expertise uh in in that type of format well uh as a you know uh, i've been scraping for years and uh I took some notes, of course, uh, of how to do this or that. And uh, last uh, last year, I thought, why these notes are uh, are only for me? <laughs> why don't you share these notes for uh, for every person like me that is struggling to get the right information uh, online? I think it's also a uh, you know, a sort of paranoia in the web scraping industry because if you talk on about how do you solve this, then the the company that's read your uh, read your note and says, oh, so let's change it so people cannot scrape us. But it's not true. It's uh, you if you it's not technically true. So basically, I wanted to share my expertise. I needed uh, I need to find online the expertise of someone else. To, to bypass some technical issues. So I said, okay, why not? Why don't I share how I do myself uh, things and get feedbacks from the readers. So maybe I'm doing something wrong. Fair enough. So it sounds like, yeah, you just had a big heart and you were like, you know what? I want to share my knowledge with everyone else as well. And it's great to hear. And looking at the, the growth that you've had, like, gained a large number of subscribers in a very short period of time. Um, considering it's like a, a niche kind of topic in, in a lot of people's mindsets, like, did you expect to receive that much attention? And what has been like your, your biggest 
post uh, so far? Like, what's got the most interest? Uh, though I didn't expect at all all these uh, su subscribers. Uh, we are getting near to one thousand three hundred subscribers in less than a month, and as I said, it's a niche. It's a niche uh, topic. So, one one post that made me think that. Uh, it could be there could be an audience for uh, this uh, this topic. Uh, it was a uh, I think my first post uh, where I shared some code, and it was about uh, scraping data from a from an app. I shared the this post on Acer News, and I got like uh, one hundred subscribers in one week because uh, it went in first page. Uh, it means that there was interested, there was interest in the in this topic. So it sounds like you kind of shot to web scraping fame uh, on LinkedIn and um, with uh, Web Scraping Club. So, what are your kind of plans for the newsletter? Uh, have you got any kind of new formats you wanted to to bring forward, or any kind of new posts that you have in mind that you're you're going to kind of look into in terms of topics? Well, uh, I'm actually thinking about giving a bit more of structure because of course the web scraping club is not my main job and i need to find some time uh, to to write the posts and until now it was a bit uh, disorganized <laughs> so i i didn't have a really a publishing plan but starting from this month i want to try to make a, a story so basically link all the all the theme of the article for a month this month will be the ai month so uh we will i'll invite some ai experts in web scraping i will test some ai tools and um and next month there will be another topic i still don't have decided yet but but yes, uh, I try to give produce a better content because uh, you know you can do always do better. <laughs> of course, I mean you recently had an article that you posted about you know, Scraper using ChatGPT. Like, can you tell us a little bit more about the experiment and uh, where do you think AI kind of fits in the field of of web scraping? Yeah, uh, I try to write a script with ChatGPT, both using ChatGPT itself, then uh, another public uh, repository on GitHub called uh, ScrapeGhost. Uh, yes, it was a it was a, a play because it was a game. It's nothing that can be used in production in a, uh, because of cost, of time. But it's interesting. It's an interest, uh, interesting evolution because, of course, ChatGPT or GPT models uh, are not trained at the moment to to scrape, uh, to get information from a website. To, but I don't think that, given the high level of uh, human language compre comprehension. I think that they have at the moment we are not so so far to for chat, chat GPT or GPT models to 
make them understand how HTML works. We already have done it with browsers. So basically, uh, uh, I don't see it as not a huge uh, a huge gap to to fill. But my issue with AI and and uh, AI based products is that you're basically using a black box. So let's say you're using a um, a pre-trained model or uh, even a AI solution that are already on market uh, uh, for scraping a website and you get wrong results. You cannot do anything because you basically, you cannot fix anything. You cannot change the model. You cannot fix the API. It's only a matter of use it or not. So I think until we don't we don't get we don't solve this uh, this issue, that's not. I personally won't trust too much on uh, AI for a large web scraping project. That's well. I mean, that's that's great insight, especially when so many people are starting to make it part of their day to day usage using ChatGPT. Um, it's good to get you know the the other side of things and see. You someone who is uh, kind of a little bit apprehensive uh, in directly going for it. So that's the end of our main uh, main kind of interview questions. We have the three questions that we always ask all guests. So I'd like to share them with you. The first one is, who in the world of data would you most like to take to lunch? Uh, there are many, there are many, but uh, I think uh, Seattle Data Guy would be a good, another... Um, he's a very popular, as a very popular, interesting uh, data newsletter. Uh, I think uh, it could be interesting to meet him. Okay. And what piece of software would you not, uh, could you not live without uh, that you use on a daily basis? I know you're expecting me to say ChatGPT, but it won't. <laughs> I won't say it. Uh, no, I still have to rely on Scrapy. I see. I see. And then the final question is, when have you used data to solve a real world problem that you've had can be in in kind of work or uh, outside? Well, real world. Okay, on a personal level, I wrote some scrapers because I needed to buy a new TV. So <laughs> I need to find a good bear game because honestly, I don't know if it's the same... Uh, somewhere else, but here in Italy, I had to monitor one month. I monitored a, one, a month for a website to get a bear gain, and I saved uh, some three or 400 euro for, for a TV. I will uh, need to borrow that next time I buy a new TV. Then. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a great tool to have to hand. Um, that's actually all the questions that we had for today and kind of all the time that we have. Uh, I'd like to thank all the listeners for joining in and listening to Ethical Data Explained. And I'd like to thank our guest, Pierre, for joining us and answering all of our questions. It's been great having you. And um, yeah, do you have any final words that you want to share with our listeners? No, thank you. Thank you, Harry, for uh, having me here. Uh, and thank you, Sox, for uh, for this uh, podcast. I always find it very informative and uh, and it's a real pleasure to to, to listen it and uh, I'm really glad that uh, 
there's more and more content about web scraping around because we need to get out of our niche. <laughs> of course, of course. So thank you very much again for everyone listening. Thank you, Pierre. Ethical Data Explained is brought to you by Soaps, a reputable provider of premium residential and mobile proxies, the gateway to data worldwide at scale. Make sure to search for Ethical Data Explained in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. On behalf of the team here at Soaks, thanks for listening. <laughs>